right, well, let's get started. All right. All right, well, hey, Baltimore Lopez, happy Sunday. It is the Lord's Day. Uh, as the Bible says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, it's a sad day, on my, in, a little bit for me, and had a friend who died last night, I think if you heard, and uh, I lost a job that I enjoyed. And, um, you know, it's just that, that transforming stuff that we have to go through. Um, but God is faithful and He's good. So let's open a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, mercy, your grace. We thank you for technology that we can connect, that we can uh, grow in faith in Christ together. Lord, I just pray all who are in the sound of my voice, Lord, that you will be ministering to their spirit, that you give them hope and peace, that you pour about your grace upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so... Uh, we're changing letters. We had finished First Peter, and so now we are in um, Galatians. Uh, I felt I really liked the book of Galatians. I've never taught through it. I've taught through Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, but I've never taught through Galatians. So uh, I figured we could do it together. And uh, let's start off with Galatians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle, Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Says who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And, you know, as as we've talked about letters before, uh, first century writers did not address letters like we do today. You know, we start off with a letter, Dear John, or To Whom It May Concern, or uh, Hi Mary, or something of that nature. But uh, in the first century, you, you told the reader who you were up front. And this is significant because Paul is here addressing a church in Galatia. It's a church that is uh, in now present-day Turkey. So it was a uh, Greco-Roman colony, uh, and he was presenting himself as an apostle. And as we'll read later on through this book, that um, there was a lot of people who contended against Paul because he did not necessarily walk with Jesus. And this is what he, why he says what he says. And so we, we remember that Jesus, on his earthly ministry, called the disciples to him. He, he called them by name. He called them to follow him. He called them to be with him. And this was the significance of, of Paul's or Jesus' earthly ministry. But Paul was born some years later, and, and his ministry started a little later. Now, we don't know exactly uh, round about when Paul died, but we know that Paul uh, was present at the stoning of Stephen, and the stoning of Stephen happened about five to seven years after the, the resurrection of Christ. The church had formed, the church was booming, the church was growing, uh, the, the number of people part of the church uh, grew faster than the apostles could keep up, uh, and they called Stephen and seven and six others to be servants and deacons. Um, and, and then you now have Paul. And, and so if we turn to uh, Acts chapter 9, we, we begin to really see where 
Paul begins to enter the scene. And so in, in, in Acts chapter 8, we, we see that Paul is on a mission. Uh, Saul approved of his ex- execution. That was talking of Stephen. And aroused uh, on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the, the apostles. So to so the Christians that were in Jerusalem left, all but the apostles. And, and But P- Saul who would soon become Paul was on a mission to chase them down and he says, verse 3 says, Saul ravaging the church and entering house from house he dragged off men, women and committed them to prison and, and this story changes but later we read about the great conversion of Paul in Acts chapter 9 it is, but Saul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, uh, went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if any be found belonging to the way, that was what Christianity was called in the first century, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, uh, he might bring them to bound to Jerusalem. And so this was Paul's intent. And, and so he rose and he got on his donkey and made his way to Damascus. And as we know, he came, verse 3, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a great light from heaven shone around him. And falling on the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, uh, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he raised uh, and entered the city, and you will be told uh, what to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing nothing. Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And so this was the beginning of the call of Paul. And, and as we know that he he was blind for three days, Ananias came and prayed for him. He restored his sight, and Ananias said this over him. It says, But the Lord God said, Go, for he is chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And that is what happened. And then it says the scales fell from his eyes and he was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, took food and he was strengthened. And he says for some days he was with the disciples in Damascus. And we also know that in other writings where Paul talks about how he actually, uh, which we'll come to later, is how he separated himself uh, from people. And for three years, it took him three whole years before he ever went to Jerusalem but this is that calling that he says, not from men or through man. So it wasn't like someone, some, he, he was sitting under Peter's teaching or he was sitting under uh, James's teaching or, or John or Andrew. But he was all on his own by himself uh, with the Lord. And, you know, he, he found himself in, in this place where he was... He was finding great um, angst because the church, the Christians weren't accepting him as an apostle. They they were very much afraid of, of him, that he was going to uh, come against the church, that he was going to do something against them, that he was uh, just doing it as a ploy that, you know, you can imagine he was uh, a sheep in wolf's clothing, that he said that he was a good guy, but in the reality that he was a bad guy or something of that nature. Um, but he was very sincere that it was through Christ and through God the Father who raised him from the dead. And so now 
Paul begins to introduce the gospel, right? It's not just that he he met some angel who told him about the way or about Christ, but that he, through Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and then he says, and all the brothers who are with me uh, to the church of Galatia. So now he's making this address. So all the people that were with him, and then he made this uh, address, and grace to you and peace from God the Father. Now, I, I, I was in a conversation with a friend uh, not all that long ago, but it's it grace always precedes peace. And, and as you as we all know that there's a lot of tension in our communities and our society right now uh, between race and gender and this COVID thing and a long list of other things. And there's just a lot of tension where we where we seem to be butting heads and and being brass. <clears throat> and he goes, Josh says, this world will never know peace until they know the grace of God. And I sat there and I and I thought about it and I was like, wow, that's it's actually really profound that 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 before we can have um, peace with one another, we must remove the animosity. And, and so that's that's this beautiful truth that 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 Paul also writes in Romans chapter five. We, we see this beautiful segment right here. Uh, Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Right, So as it says in Ephesians, by faith you have been saved through grace. So they're, they're, the faith and grace are connected. We have peace with God. So we had to be justified, forgiven, sanctified first before we could ever have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we need peace before it proceeds grace. Why? Because verse 9, it says, For it says, since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from his wrath. Verse 10, for if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death with his son. Much more now that we are reconciled with him, be, be saved by his life. And so Paul's saying is that before Christ or without Christ, uh, we are enemies with God. Our sin separates us from God in a way that it's not just, you know, go to your room, sit in time out, but we've we put on the enemy's uh, uniform. You know, God has his uniform and we go and we have now put on the enemy's uniform. And so we are combatants with God and his army and his purpose and his kingdom, really. But through Christ... We are forgiven, right? That blood, we are justified by his blood. And it means now we change uniforms. And now we put on uniforms with the kingdom of God. And therefore, because we have, we're now spared from the wrath of God. We're, we're, now, we're now free from that worry or constraint that God is, is going to pour out his wrath upon us. And, and it's unfortunate that in, in many of today's sermons, the, the concept of God's wrath it's something we really want to avoid. We we want to think God is love. We want to think of God as good. And we want to think of God as being merciful. And and I do believe all those attributes are there. I believe they're good. I believe they describe God. However, if we only limit God to being good and loving and kind and benevolent and merciful, 
faithful, uh, but never address the holiness of God, the, the, the purity of God, the righteousness of God, the, the justness of God. Uh, we then never get to the wrath of God, right? Because it, think of justice. And, and you and I have all been through situations where we want justice. You know, someone wrongs us. Some, someone speaks out against us. Someone cuts us in line. Someone steals our stuff. Someone steps on our foot. Someone bumps our hand. And we want revenge. We want to be avenged for, for the wrongdoing uh, done against us. Right? We, we all are very familiar with that. That, oh, someone's wronged me, so I must hurt them more than I have been hurt. Something of that nature. But that's not right justice. So, so we like that justice, but that justice is not right. Um, but but we, 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 we somehow feel that we can justify our behavior as wrong as it could be because of someone's other's behavior is worse, worse than ours. But because God is good and he has no ill intent or maliciousness or evil in him, his purity, his holiness drives his justice. Is it read in the in, in Psalms? And it was actually kind of funny that it was part of my Bible reading this morning. Uh, but it says, "No, God has wronged no one, and God has never done anything wrong." And so we can trust that God is good, and and that He is going to exact right justice for each person's sin. Now, by God's grace, we were given Christ so that we could be made whole with Him, and that we can be reconcile that we can sidestep the wrath that we are due because of our sin and that we are no longer enemies but we are now friends that that we've changed uniforms and and to be and to be quite honest we we've watched enough war movies and we've probably maybe even experienced it ourselves that some people pretend to be on our side because they want to take advantage of us god has no intent has no ill intent in us and our thinking that once we cross teams, that we from leave the, the kingdom of this world and we join the kingdom of God, that we are whole with him. And he does not, he's not looking at us waiting for us to fail. He's not looking at us waiting us for us to sin. He's not looking and waiting for us to uh, become a double agent. Uh, he's not waiting for us to create some kind of espionage because he knows who is on his side and who is not. It, there are probably Christians today or people today that say that they're Christians and really aren't. They are truly agents of evil. But God truly knows those who belong to him and those who do not. It, it reminds me of the words that Jesus speaks in John uh, chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. And so we can have that assurance that God is working at us and working for us when it comes to his grace. And then because of his grace, we then can have peace. And this is where this scripture becomes so, so pleasant and powerful. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand. That's a warning to think that God is very near, not far off, but he is at hand. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, uh, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says, and the peace of God. So the opposite of anxiety is peace. The, the opposite of our worries, cares, and, and concerns of this world is peace of God. So when we hold fast to the peace of God, it supersedes all those anxieties and all those worries and all those pains that we could ever uh, come to. You know, and, and as as even as I sit here this week, having real life experiences and real life woes and real life struggles that there's a sense of peace in my heart even though it's a hard season um, you know I, I think as I was talking to Miss Dawn and Miss Lucy um, I've been a, a pastor at a church for about five and a half years it's a church that I've grown up in it's a church I've been a part of for over 20 years met my wife there, my kids have grown up there, my, my mom goes there, uh, I have a lot of friends that are there, and because of COVID, um, you know, my, my employment was eliminated, and it hurt a lot, and I became very anxious and worried about my next paycheck, or that next moment of where, where was I going to land, what was I going to do? I also became very worried about the people that were in my care. You know, I, I was worried, very worried about the people who I called friends and called me pastor. And, and not, not because I, I was losing authority or power, but because there was a brokenness in our relationship. You know, to be honest, I, I, I talked to quite a few over the last week and they were they were very saddened because of the news. They're very hurt by the church's decision. And that's never what I want to be a part of you know the, the church is, is made up of human beings and we should truly be looked at on the same plane as peers as fellow workers and fellow laborers and fellow fellow followers of Christ but somehow over the years we've put some form of hierarchy we put some status uh, rapport Maybe even some bit of uh, popularity where we've exalted people up. And, and this isn't to note that that we shouldn't love people or care for people or, or, or enjoy people. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm partially here because you, you like me. If you didn't like me, I, I don't think you would keep inviting me back. But you keep inviting me back because, you know, you love me. Right, and I, and I just heard George's voice in the back of my head saying, "I love you too, Josh. I love you too, George." Um, but it's it's knowing that God is greater. I first had to remember God's grace before I could cling to His peace. I I had to remember God's grace before I could cling to His peace, because I had to remember what Christ had done for me. And Christ's life, death, and resurrection are far superior than a job or paycheck or a meal. Um, you know, anything. And when I become so self-absorbed with, well, God, you don't know how this is going to affect me. The reality is, is he does. 
he experiences it too. He experiences the loss. He experiences the pain. He, right? Hebrews says that we have a high priest that, priest that can sympathize with our weaknesses and our pains and our temptations. So, so we have to believe that Christ's earthly life was not just about a, a guy teaching some good lessons, but it was about a man who was as human as you and I, but yet divine, who had to sleep had to work, uh, he had to eat, he probably got itches and rashes, um, he, he, he would sweat and he would cry, he got angry, he experienced all of the earthly human uh, pains and woes and yet he did not sin. And because he was able to withstand temptation every single time it came knocking, it made him greater than all of us. Because for me, I, I can tell you that this week, the temptation was there to get angry, and I did. There was a temptation to get fearful, and I became fearful. There was temptation to um, just want to, to shake my fist at God, and I did. But every, after every moment that I took that step, I was reminded of God's grace. And I was reminded of God's love. And, and honestly, I was reminded of my own humanity. That God has made me just like, just a little lower than the angels, as the Bible says. And, and so it says here in verse 6, this is, But in everything, or verse 7, says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it is to know that God himself is protecting you. That Jesus Christ is standing guard around you and about you and for you. That, that you don't have to be your own defender nor defense. But God is there on your behalf when we seek him and when we follow him and when we acknowledge him. And, and that's truly what I love about this letter. Um, that, that, that Paul is a man just like you and me. To be honest, even in verse, he writes in Philippians chapter 3, he says these words about himself. And he says, Although I myself have reasons for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has more reasons to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, which was the tradition of circumcision, of the people of Israel. So he was uh, a tribesman of Israel. He was a tribe of Benjamin. So if we remember the tribe of Benjamin, that's the tribe in which Saul came out of, King Saul, uh, the first king of Israel. That's probably why that was his actual uh, Hebrew name was Saul, because he was probably named after the king. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, so he held to all the traditions and rituals and rites and practices. And as to a law of Pharisee, the Pharisees were the highest class of uh, Jewish leaders in Israel. Uh, they weren't necessarily priests, but they were people who knew the law. Uh, some scholars said that he actually had the entire Old Testament memorized. Uh, so in, in, in Hebrew school, you would learn the Pentateuch. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But Paul more than likely actually had everything from Genesis to Malachi memorized. So if you want a visual representation of how much of the Bible uh, Paul knew, he knew this much of that much. 
Paul was a genius. Paul knew the law. Paul knew how to follow the law. Paul, Paul followed the law. Um, and, and he did it with zeal and excellence, as he said, blameless, which means he was as righteous as righteous gets. And he says, as to zeal for Israel, he persecuted the church. He was so zealous for the law that he was willing to come against the one group of people whom he would eventually become the greatest leader of. And he says, um, and then, but whatever I had gained, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the sufferings worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered to lose all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. And that's, I think, one of the great lessons that we learned from Paul. You know, Paul probably lived in a nice house. We know he was Saul Tarsus, which is a, was a thriving uh, ocean city in, in what is now um, Lebanon. Uh, he was uh, well-to-do. He was born a Roman citizen where others had purchased it. He was also a Hebrew. So he had all this earthly status going for him. And he gave it all away to be beaten, to be bruised, stoned, and shipwrecked, and ultimately executed because of Jesus. And that's how much greater Christ was for him because we knew he, he often went hungry. He often... Uh, was had great sufferings that was coming his way, but he always counted Christ greater than any suffering he ever faced, and that's why we need grace before we can have peace. We we have to look to the cross of Christ and look at the the sacrifice that Jesus did on our behalf and say that is amazing grace, and because of that amazing grace, we can then have peace with God. And that's what I hope for each of you today. I, I, I hope and I pray that today you will find peace with God because you have found grace through Christ. And therefore that we can live our life to the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. Forever and ever. Amen. And, and then out of this, and, and I, I didn't mean to skip it, but I did, but... He says, verse 4, it says that he who gave himself for our sins. So, so according to God's plan, so according to God's will, Christ came and died for our sins, delivering us from this present age of darkness and to an age to come that we might have eternal life. So whatever season you're in, we can have deliverance because of Christ. And that is what we hope for. That is what we pray for. That's what we stand for. That's what we believe in. And that's why I'm here. To, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to each and every one of you um, every week. Because we need the gospel of Christ. I need it. I need to be reminded of it daily. Because it's easy to get selfish. It's easy to become prideful. It's easy to become offended or bitter. But because of Christ, I lay it all down. And I pick up my cross and I follow after him. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, mercy, and your grace. I thank you for Baltimore Lopez. I thank you for its staff, its residents, administration, and doctors, family and friends and guests who come. 
Father God, I just pray for your grace that we can know it, that we can hold fast to it, that we can cling to your cross knowing that our sins are forgiven so that we are no longer enemies but that we are now at peace with you and you have changed our uniforms, that you've dressed us for battle, that we can serve the kingdom of God rightly. Lord, for all my friends, I pray that you help them in their in their hearts, in their minds, so that you give them grace and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on.